right, welcome back to another episode of Sideways, a podcast about motorcycles in Taiwan. Uh, this is a little bit different episode, but I wanted to talk to you uh, a little bit about something that's coming up with Moto Skills Factory. We have a ADV cross event coming up, and what that is is basically a competition for off-road and adventure bikes uh, and things like that. It's up near near Taipei. There'll be a variety of challenges. Uh, it'll be a competitive thing. So if you're interested in checking that out, go to the Moto Skills Factory Facebook page, and we actually have a dedicated ADV Cross page to give you updates on that. So if you're interested in that, check it out. So th this episode today uh, is a little different because we're um, actually talking about a scooter comparison test that we did a couple of weeks ago, and I released it on my channel, Expat on Two Wheels. Uh, you can check that out. Uh, if you're on YouTube, I'll put a, a uh, little pop-out for you to check out up there. And with me, I have Camro LaGuardia. Camro uh, actually is the owner of The Force in the video, and he has been riding bikes for some time. Um, how long have you been riding bikes for? Well, since I was a teenager, I started learning when I was, I want to say, 10-ish. But then I was officially learning when I was about 13, 14 on scooters. Yeah. So he grew up with bikes. Um, I actually got into it when I was like 26. So he's, uh, I don't know. I can't do the math. I think he's been doing it a lot longer than me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we decided that it would be interesting to do a, a test of the popular midsize scooters uh, in the segment. And uh, can you tell us uh, some of the challenges that we faced in putting this test together? Well, one, the bikes. Being that we're essentially a two-man crew or only the two people that can actually handle the bikes, um, it's a bit of a hassle to just get them into one place. Um, other than that, the filming stuff, getting all the gear together, having it work all the time when you need it, it's just the logistics of the thing is not very easy. It's just a lot of small fires that we have to put out every now and then. Yeah, and the testing itself, um, if you want to get the data, um, which I really wanted to get for this test, uh, not just subjective, but actually objective data, uh, you have to run the tests. And they took longer than I thought. It was kind of challenging to get them all done. And so something that you don't see uh, on camera is one of the nights I took three of the scooters out and I ran them down a section of road. Uh, one of the challenges up here is that we have uh, hills and curves everywhere. There's no flat, straight sections of road that you would use for this sort of purpose. So I just had to run what I had. And basically, I ran both ways. And I figured if there's a downhill then coming back, there will be an uphill and it'll kind of cancel itself out. And if you get enough data, it becomes a little bit more accurate, I think. And the weird thing, is, especially here in Taiwan, the population density, even in the countryside, it's still pretty up there. So there's no real empty roads. And if there are any, they would most likely be not suitable for any kinds of tests. So it's just very hard to like look for locations that will allow you to run these tests objectively. Yeah. And so uh, what what were some of the things that surprised you when we got uh, all of these bikes together? Um, it surprises me how close it got in terms of evidence and data. 
and I was very surprised with the Racing King. I was really, really impressed with it. Um, the Force I've had for about a year, more than a bit more than a year. I like the bike, but it has its quirks, and seeing the data come in essentially con make it so that it's true. It's a concrete evidence that I can say that's how I, how I was feeling. That's why it was doing that, and essentially it was just it was a lot of fun. But yeah, it, it was nice seeing the data and the results. Yeah, and and people might think that uh, I wanted. Uh, my scooters to win because I was very clear that two of the scooters belonged to me. But um, actually, I really don't care. And going into it, I thought that the newer bikes would have a strong advantage. And I was kind of surprised um, that they didn't have more of an advantage. Yeah. Also, at the end of the day, um, they're scooters. Um, so I already know that there would be some sort of I guess familiarity with how they all of them handle or how they would perform but at the same time if you're looking at details and you're going to be using it as a daily driver those small things add up like really quickly and you can really see which company prioritizes what which feature they prioritizes over something or a bike part or just any part of the bike that they make you can see their small decisions, and it's very eye-opening. The the Racing King is it's really a standout in the trunk space, and the trunk is absolutely cavernous compared to the other two. And when you measured them, it doesn't really show all the extra space that it actually has in there, and that comes at the sacrifice of seat height. So the whole seat has been raised really high, and it makes it not the choice to use around town because when you go to do u-turns and things it's really clunky and honestly it feels so big uh when i measured it like i measured it twice because i was like hold on a second it can't be the same length and the same wheelbase as the tigra because the tigra feels way smaller and yet it was and i couldn't believe it because of how big it feels just the fact that the numbers especially um and the maneuverability of both the bikes, of all the bikes, of how close it comes, is just weird for me. Like, when you see the objective data, it's there. You can't get away from it. But when you're riding it, because of that added height, you're more aware of your surroundings. It you, You're more aware of, I guess, a bigger stance of yours when you're riding it around. And it makes you a lot more careful, I feel like. It doesn't... It doesn't have that aggressive stance. And it's just, I don't know. It To me, it feels like something that you would want to ride on a long haul kind of ride, not like day-to-day -day kind of riding. Yeah, it's excellent uh, when I put uh, my two kids on the scooter. I, I have a little seat you can see in the video. I have a little seat in the front, and then the other one rides in the back, and I feel really secure with them there. And it has ABS. The, I, I didn't bring that up as a big uh, difference in the scooters because you can get ABS on all of them except for the Force. Um, you would have to go for the S-Max for that and spend more money. And the new Force um, is coming out, which we'll talk about in a little bit, and they're offering that. I think that ABS is something that you should choose um, if you have that option. You should check that box because, okay, it's 20000 
Uh, maybe it's 15,000 or 10,000 or something. They're, it's coming down. But when you think about, okay, I may ride this thing for 10 years. And that is a small amount of money. It's almost like insurance. It's a small amount of money to spend to um, increase your likelihood of keeping it sunny side up and not hitting the ground. Because the reality is that um, most of us, myself included, don't wear gear when we ride these. These are commuters that you ride to work every day. And if you hit the ground, uh, you know, in a t-shirt and shorts, you can easily break a bone. And there's people who have lifelong problems from, from that. And, and having that safety net is really good. It's because, you know, I paid the extra money and I got, or my dad actually paid the extra money. Um, and I, I encouraged him to get ABS because I knew how chaotic it was here to ride in Taiwan. And I wanted him to have that safety net. Uh, and he rode all, all around the island on this scooter. And I felt good because I knew it was there. Also, the fact that these bikes are designed to be ridden every day, no matter what condition. Um, it, it's just there. It's the back of your head that you know that you're safe, that you know that you can stop when you need to. Um, it's it's that extra insurance that you should be happily paying for it. Just because, you know, it's extra 20000 versus, you know, a broken limb. You know, it's it's such a non-brainer but most of the people nowadays would just see it as an extra 20k that they don't want to spend which is i think is a little bit unfortunate and not even that like with with most people they go out and they buy the cheapest scooter that they can find uh that may maybe 60 or 70 thousand and a lot of times those have have drum brakes in the back and just having that extra stopping power of these bigger scooters and the extra stability, the extra suspension, and, and things of that nature. And talking about suspension, I wanted to get into that a little bit because uh, there was a test that we did that did not make the video because I was trying to see which uh, bike would do better on, on bumps. And the reason I was trying to see that is because the two newer bikes, the Force and the DRG, they have a swing arm style suspension with a mono shock. And in theory, that should offer better suspension, better handling, uh, a, a, a shorter mono shock, uh, basically a swing arm and the bike as a triangle. And, the, and when you have twin shocks, they go way into the, the back of the triangle, which means they're longer, they do more work. And, and that's why bikes, motorcycles went to monoshocks. It makes a big difference in, in motorcycles. And only vintage style bikes still run twin shocks. And we're seeing more monoshocks uh, come out. And I thought that maybe that would be a big advantage. Um, but for me, I couldn't really tell a difference. Um, what were your thoughts on that? Well, I've ridden a lot of dual shocks. Well, for the majority of my life, those were all what I've ridden just because I don't have the money for monoshock. <laughs> um, so that's all I know. But from the force, I, I feel like, I don't know. I, I really can't feel any difference. Um, I can't tell any if there are any big improvements. There might be in terms of stability. But in terms of just 
everyday riding, I don't see a big difference. And unless you're pushing the bike uh, to its limits at all times, then it might be very apparent. But if you're just riding it every day, you really don't, you really can't tell. And uh, we'll come back around to that topic a little bit when we talk about the Force 2.0. So um, one of the, the, the questions that I keep on getting on social media is, why didn't you include this bike? Why didn't you include the KRV 180? Why didn't you include the Tigra uh, 200? And the thing is, uh, we had to use the bikes that we had access to. And these are the bikes we had access to. We are not uh, in the fortunate position of having a press access, uh, like a lot of, you know, YouTubers these days have. Um, but other than getting newer, cooler bikes, um, what would you, what would you do, uh, differently if you did this again? Um, well, first I would remove the time limit that we had when filming. We essentially had a good hour of filming for all of the bikes, um, and that just is not enough for, I guess, a better, more well thought out, more organized kind of shoot. Um, and I feel like we, we, it's not that we missed anything because I feel like the data was there, but I feel like we could have been more clinical about it. Like we could have spent more time and actually give it more thought Um that's one of the things that I would have done differently is just get more time to the bike, at least three hours, um, just so that we would have that bit of cushion, just so that we can have more data and more objective data. Yeah, and the, the data that I would have liked to have done uh, is the braking, because I thought mm, they'll probably be pretty similar, and I was a little concerned about braking really hard on other people's bikes. Um, but when I was doing the acceleration test and I noticed that there was a pretty big difference between the brakes on some of the bikes and the DRG was a standout in the braking department. It, it w was very confidence inspiring and it stopped very, very quickly. And the, the force was good as well. I think it was the Tigra that had me kind of pulling a little bit harder uh, to, to get it to slow down. And, and after coming off those bikes, I was like, whoa, I really, I really have to pay attention because the brakes are a little smaller and they're a little older. And so I actually bought some new pads uh, because I'd like to put some, some better pads on them and see if that makes a difference and gives me a little bit more bite there. And uh, let's switch gears and talk about the... The new Yamaha Force, they, they just released uh, details on that. And being a Force owner yourself, what are your thoughts on that, the new one? Well, let's start with the appearance. I'm not a fan. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> it. It's one of those things that they say that you like it the more you look at it. I've been, look at it, I've been looking at it for about three nights now. I still haven't changed it. <laughs> I've been looking at press release pictures. I've been looking at reviews. And I just don't like it because I feel like the front of it is... It looks iffy. It looks kind of sporty, but at the same time, kind of not. So it's, it's it just looks awkward. 
and even the tail, like because they went back to like dual shocks, and it's just it it doesn't look appealing to me. That's that's what I'm trying to say. Um, but yeah, um, in terms of performance, from what I've seen so far, it's very different from the first generation. Very, very different. One of the biggest differences that they have is the way acceleration works with the new one. Um, the old one has a lot of torque, and it kind of feels like it keeps on pushing your bike until you're at 80 kilometers an hour, and then it it fans out. Um, the newer bikes, from what I've seen, they go up to 50 really, really fast, and then they kind of still goes up but in a very very linear fashion and it's they're calling it a city bike a city scooter and they tuned it that way so that it will have the advantage in you know stop and go situations but i just feel like if you want it to be sporty but also a city bike you just have to look for that compromise and i think that's one of the compromises that they went for um but it's kind of ambivalent too because from what I've seen, they also tuned the suspension to be very, very sporty. The one reviewer I was watching when they were testing it on normal mountain roads, it was it was very, very bumpy um, to the point where it's unnerving, apparently, from what the reviewer was saying. Um, it's so sporty. It's so stiff that it you can feel all of the small bumps that you don't want to feel. So those are the main differences, I guess, um, from the first generation. I got to watch some more, and I, I hope I can borrow a friend of mine or, or something to test it on in the future. But so far, I'm not liking it. The, it's interesting choice for them to go back to the twin shock setup when everybody else is going away from that. And it... In some ways, I guess it's it's bold styling. Um, there's that weird triangle that in some color schemes is orange, and that kind of sticks out. I don't know I don't know what their th their thinking was with that design. But other than that, like if you look at the front, one of my complaints about the new scooters is they're all starting to look the same. When you look at the the KRV. Uh, the front of that, it has the angle, it angles down and it has the blade headlights and the force is the same. And when you look around, it's more and more bikes like look exactly the same. And I understand that when you look at the Racing King, it looks bug eyed and it looks very strange. The headlights work incredibly well, by the way, they're massive and they are functional, but it, yeah, it doesn't look great. The Racing King does not look great, and they needed to update it, but did they really have to copy everyone else's design? That's one of the, the, the things about the SYM DRG is it is its own design, and it does look really good. Yeah, it's, it's a standout design, um, especially with the market being flooded with all of the same class of scooters. It's if you're not in the know, if you don't really look at like press release pictures or you just don't follow Scooter that much, if you point to a guy what's the difference between that and that, they wouldn't know. And it's all kind of blending into the this I guess one image of a scooter. Especially for that class. And I feel like 
maybe they've peaked in terms of they they think they peaked <laughs> in terms of design and there's just no innovation um but it's just i don't i don't know especially the aesthetics for the newer forests um one of the reasons that they put the dual shock was they wanted to have more room in the trunk which they do have now but it's only deeper it's narrower it's shorter but it's deeper so they went for the same way drg did so volume wise you do have more volume you can fit a full face helmet in it um, unlike the old force the first generation force you cannot really put a full face helmet in it um, you can kind of cram it in and it will close but then you might lose some of the foam <laughs> from your helmet um, but the new generation you can put in a full face helmet and it will it will work just fine but you will not have place for you know if you want just a general day-to-day -day use of it like groceries or just carrying stuff it's not gonna work that well it's a bucket essentially yeah and these scooters like a lot of people do buy them because they are because they're good city scooters you know we demonstrated how low the ground clearance is on the force and how it's really not a racing scooter and so even though they market it like it's a racing scooter it's really not and so it kind of makes you wonder what they're thinking is in that area um, making it you know not so useful i i feel like Racing King, uh, they did a really good job with that one. Kimco did a really good job. And I haven't examined the KRV to see if they still kept that big trunk. Um, I haven't looked under the seat on that one. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I really didn't pay that much attention to the KRV. I, I, I have no investment on that side of, <laughs> of, that side of the industry. Um, but yeah, apparently... From what I was, I've been reading, they've essentially grabbed the 150cc engine from Yamaha and essentially put it into a BWS frame for the second generation force. So it has a shorter wheelbase. I think it is lower, the seat height, um, which is weird, but oh, I think the frame is lower, but the seat height is taller. I don't know if that makes sense. Um, because the reviewer that I was watching, he, he stands about 176 centimeters tall, and he was kind of tiptoeing. So it's tall, but but then again, from the release, they said that you can get a lower seat configuration if you want to. So they offer that right off the bat. You can get the normal seat height and then lower seat height. Yeah, and they made a big deal about the flat seat because that's one of the things that people complain about on the Force is that stepped seat. And, you know, some people are going to like it. Uh, some pillions like to sit up and see more, and some of them don't. Some of them complain about it. and But I think the, the riders themselves complained because you're not able to slide your butt back on the seat, and it just, the bulge just kind of pushes in your butt. Uh, and... The, as we demonstrated in the video, there's not a lot of leg space. And I don't know if you could see, see it, but it feels quite cramped when you're, when you're sitting there. And being able to move your butt back and slide back, um, at least it gives you a little bit more 
more space there, which is nice. Yeah, especially as a big guy rider, when I sit in the forest, I'm stuck. There is no adjustment. If I'm in for the long haul and I'm riding three, four hours, I'm stuck in that position for three, four hours. There's no way to alleviate some stress on your lower back when you're riding. Um, and especially like if you wear, if you wear like size 11, 12 shoes, um, especially if you're wearing boots, once you're in that space, you're stuck because you can't move forward because it slopes up and then move backward. It becomes too wide. You just have no place to sit. You just, you can only plan it there. Um, the newer generation, the second generation of forest, apparently it gives you more adjustment in that area. Um, the, the seat is a lot flatter. It's more uniform. It is a bit smaller though. So if you're considering on buying it for, um, if you're riding with a passenger, uh, all the time, it's, it's a bit smaller than the original one. Um, it also has a lot flatter, um, foot bed area. So it actually gives you a lot of movement. So I think that's a very, very big improvement, especially if you're considering and riding it for long hours or just daily, just everywhere. Yeah, and the the Racing King, that's one area, the Racing King, it has a sloped seat. Uh, the, the pillion seat particularly is quite sloped. And so when you carry somebody, they kind of tend to slide up into you. And so in many ways, I find that the Tigra is preferable to carry uh, a second person because they're not constantly sliding into you and then pushing back and because it's level and they just sit there. So I see that that force took a note there and just, you know, went in that direction. Another thing that's interesting is they've taken the 155cc water-cooled motor from the, the S-Max and the Force and they've put it in the Cygnus Griffiths. And these guys, they really don't know how to make names um, in English. Uh, it's the grossest sounding name. I know it's a bird, but it's the grossest sounding name. I always thought the Cygnus was not a nice name. And then they made it even worse with the Griffiths. Um, but they've downsized it to 125cc. Um, but you could easily just put the piston and, and, and head and everything from the force onto there. And I know that people do that. Uh, already and if you're if you're dedicated to go to that much work on a scooter which I'm not like I haven't done nothing to my scooters I just put oil in them and I just ride them because I'm a bike guy I'm a motorcycle guy I don't want to mod my scooters I I did this test because I wanted to tell you which one you would ride daily which one you would commute on because that's how I use my scooters um, not which one you would mod out to be the the super racer thing um, but if you wanted to go to the trouble, you know, you could get the smaller bike. And I think that would be the bike to have if you're like a racer dude. Especially here in Taiwan, the modern community is not really that active just because of the laws. Um, there is still a community, um, but they mainly stick to 125cc class just because they have actual leagues for it. So if you want to go into that enthusiast way, there is a legal way for you to mod your bikes to your heart's con like content and just go at it. Um, so a lot of people stick there. And so they have a lot of parts and they have a lot of um, mechanics that actually know how to work a 125cc class bike. 
and just mod it to to the oblivion um, i've seen some crazy mods out there once on fcc they're ugly but i've seen the price tags they're like almost eight hundred thousand nt dollars for like That's insane like a 125 cc scooter <laughs> it's hard to believe that people would do this um i i know that they have those kits where they stiffen the frame you can see the 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 big bar that comes up and they have to hack the bodywork to do it and because the weakest part of a scooter is the pass-through. So that's why the bigger scooters have underbone bodies for stiffness and everything, and it makes them handle better and stuff. But if, if, if you want a good handling bike, I say just buy a motorcycle. That's, that's my version, and a, a bunch of scooter boys will disagree with me. But I don't know. I've seen guys, like, there, there was this one guy I was watching. He spent a million dollars on his Force, and... He modded the heck out of it. He cut it in two so that he can put that obnoxious titanium bar. Um, but then he had to get a check. So he took that titanium bar out to get the bike check. But now his bike is in half. So he, it was literally being held together by tape when he went to the DMV to get a check. And he was, he was worried he's going to like just break apart in the middle of the test. Um, that sounds about right. Yeah. Um, the, those Those checks and tests that they do are visual in nature uh and and not at all indicative of what's a safe vehicle to be riding around on it it really is that's that's a, a topic for a whole nother podcast i think um but i think we're gonna leave it there and uh this is this is probably the only uh scooter podcast we're gonna do uh, but uh i thought it might be interesting because we all do commute on scooters and uh, if you don't, uh, I, I suggest you uh, go borrow a friend's scooter, uh, go to the tea shop, uh, drop your tea in the little cup holder up in front and uh, buy your groceries, chuck them down there between your feet and, and ride back with one hand on the bars. Uh, not that you should ride that way, but you can. And that's the thing about about scooters. They're so useful. Like I said, I wouldn't mod them. I wouldn't. Uh, t take them all that seriously, but they are really useful here in Taiwan. So um, if you're interested in more of this type of content, head over to my channel, Expat on Two Wheels, and uh, like the videos, comment on them, and we'll see if we can put together uh, more tests. And we've got some, some interesting projects coming up uh, for you, and keep an eye out for the ADV Cross uh, content that'll be coming up, and that that uh, event up near Taipei. Uh, we'll see you next time. Uh, like and subscribe for more.